Hello, this is your Bible teaching program, Search for Truth, and I'm here again with our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. In this series of talks, Brian is looking at how this world began, both from the perspective of the atheistic view and the standpoint of God's Word, the Bible. And in this series, Brian discusses incredible unbelief, when believing in nothing means believing in anything. It's study number three today, and the subtitle is The Origin of Life. I found it difficult to find a hymn we've recorded about the origin of life, so I've changed the focus to the origin of eternal life in the Gospel, where Jesus created opportunity for you and me to accept eternal life through his crucifixion. I hope you'll enjoy Sing Them Over Again to Me after Brian's talk. But now, here's Brian. Thanks, John. Some strident atheist voices today are quite mistaken as to the true nature of faith and seem to think it's only some kind of poor substitute for evidence. They keep demanding that we should go by empirical results, meaning opinions based on experience and observation rather than vague theory. Well then, science, at its most empirical, says life comes from life. Life does not come from non-life. The ancient Greeks had once believed that small animals, such as worms, mice and maggots, sprang to life automatically from the non-living matter around, such as rotting flour, a sweaty shirt or decaying meat. This belief that living matter arose from non-living material is called spontaneous generation. The idea of maggots coming spontaneously to life out of decaying meat was successfully challenged in the year 1668 by Italian biologist Francesco Redi. When he covered the meat with gauze to prevent flies from laying their eggs on it, no maggots appeared in the meat. The maggots are actually the larvae which hatch from flies' eggs. 150 years ago, Frenchman Louis Pasteur confirmed this result, proving once and for all that spontaneous generation does not happen. So there's no empirical evidence for life arising without the necessity for the existence of a life-giving God. There's no such thing as a simple cell. The so-called simplest bacterial cell is still much more complex than anything we humans have ever made. It has a hundred thousand million atoms. The gulf between this and anything non-living is as vast and absolute as anyone could care to imagine. Anthony Flew, a famously converted British atheist, concluded from the microscopic world of the cell that the almost unbelievable complexity of the arrangements which are needed to produce life shows that intelligence must have been involved. But you may vaguely remember a headline that once claimed life had been artificially created in the laboratory. Headlines are, however, often misleading. This is what really happened. Just as computers use a computer code made up of programmed instructions, the cells in our body use the genetic code. In other words, cells process information in a similar way to computers. They do this in order to make proteins and other cell bits. 
The living cell is like an incredibly powerful computer. What was done in the laboratory experiment we just mentioned was the equivalent of making a careful copy of one version of Microsoft Windows and turning to another computer which had previously been using a different version of Microsoft Windows and loading instead this new copy version onto it so that when we next switch it on, that computer can now do some things it couldn't do before. But this process doesn't involve developing a totally new brand of software, nor does it involve building computer hardware that didn't exist previously. It simply used a software design and a computer which already existed, which means the headline about life having been created in the laboratory was very misleading. We said cells are like computers, and most of the workings of the cell are best described not in terms of material stuff, which we might call the hardware, but in terms of information or software. Something else we can see from that is that trying to make life by just mixing chemicals in a tank or test tube, as in some previous famous laboratory experiments, is like soldering switches and wires in an attempt to produce Microsoft Windows. That's confusing hardware with software, which leaves scientists to this very day still puzzling over how life could have arisen from non-living chemicals. The key question is, how did the hardware of non-living molecules ever manage to write its own software? The origin of life is one of the great outstanding mysteries of science. Scientists have no agreed theory of the origin of life. Plenty of scenarios, conjectures and just-so stories, but nothing with any solid experimental support. Well-known American atheist philosopher Thomas Nagel asked, Given what is known about the chemical basis of biology and genetics, what is the likelihood that self-reproducing life forms should have come into existence spontaneously on the early Earth solely through the operation of the laws of physics and chemistry? Well, the chance that higher life forms might have emerged through evolutionary processes has been said by Sir Fred Hoyle to be comparable with the chance that a tornado sweeping through a junkyard might assemble a Boeing 747 aircraft from the material found there in that scrapyard. Once we see, however, that the probability of life originating at random is so utterly tiny as to make it absurd, then it becomes sensible to think that the highly favourable properties on which life depends are in every respect deliberate. He also said that the fossil evidence of the simplest bacterial cells that we can find shows that we cannot reach back to evidence of any simple beginning. While the subject of the origin of life is hardly mentioned in Darwin's published writings, the following quote gives us an inkling of his thoughts on the subject at that time. Darwin said this, If, and oh what a big if, his words, if we could conceive in some warm little pond with all sorts of ammonia and phosphoric salts, light, heat, electricity present, if we could imagine that a protein compound was chemically formed, ready to undergo still more complex changes. That's how he began. 
Notice Darwin's observations and ideas involving natural selection and random mutations relate to things that reproduce themselves. But at this stage, it's only about chemicals. Others in the early 20th century developed the idea that chemical reactions on the early Earth could have led to the production of what they called a primordial soup in which the required building blocks for life would have been present. But in reality, and with updated information available to us now, there's not a shred of objective evidence to support the idea that life began by itself in any kind of warm pond of chemicals here on the Earth. In fact, one specialist researcher, Michael Denton, has said that considering the way the prebiotic soup is referred to in so many discussions of the origin of life as an already established reality, it comes, he says, as something of a shock to realise that there is absolutely no positive evidence for its existence. We're reviewing five major examples of atheists believing in magic or miraculous events without any sufficient explanation or cause for those events. In 1953, a famous experiment in which electrical discharges were passed through a mixture of gases attempted to recreate the conditions of a thunderstorm on the primitive Earth. Some chemicals basic to life were produced, but both the starting point and the end result are now considered to be unfit for purpose. What's more, in the same year, Crick and Watson published their structure for DNA. This would turn out to be the first step in bringing to light the wonderful molecular basis of life. Only an incredibly intelligent designer could account for these information systems in living things. One of those to unlock the secrets of DNA, Francis Crick, has conceded that biologists must constantly Keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. Now, doesn't that sound as if he's denying the undeniable? Professor Paul Davis sums it up. How did stupid atoms spontaneously write their own software? Nobody knows. There is no known law of physics able to create information from nothing. The DNA code must be explained. For how can a coded information storage system come about without intelligent design? But also the incredible machinery that reads the information and creates the components of life from that information has to be explained as well. We say again, former hard-nosed British atheist philosopher Anthony Flew abandoned his atheism because of the growing evidence for such design in living things. He said, It now seems to me that the findings of more than 50 years of DNA research have provided materials for a new and enormously powerful argument to design. As the scientific knowledge of life grows, the prospects of a purely natural explanation for life's origin recede into the distance. The origin of life is definitely another miracle. As the Apostle Paul told his audience at Athens, 
In God we live and move and have our being. The origin of life demands a super-intelligent cause, such as the Creator God revealed in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I hope you're enjoying today's programme and I'd like to remind you there's a transcript book of all the talks in this series which would be helpful if you want to pursue further study. So let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. First, it's available online and you can obtain it by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted to you. Just ask for the title incredible unbelief. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Thanks indeed for the pleasure of your company today and thanks for giving us your time. Next week, we continue this series with a talk called The Origin of Biodiversity. So do join us if you can, same time next week. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. <laughs>